In a dusty old shop on a forgotten old street, you'll find two witches with books three boxes deep. Next to rusty old needles and faded red thread, you'll come in for yarn, the but leave with pigments instead. Is now on Patreon. Whether poisons like or patterns, episodes, we're always discreet. We're creepy and crafty and Patreon.com. Welcome to the Bones and Bobbins podcast. Yes. Please do that. We love you. <laughs> um, right. But also, beyond loving you, your generous support helps make the show happen and will also earn you our very, very eternal gratitude and entry into our private Patreon-only Facebook group. Yay. So that's fun. In it. Hello, Morbid Makers. We are your slightly creepy, mildly disconcerting, somewhat sinister, delightfully decomposed, opaquely odd, merrily morbid, and marvelly misanthropic hosts. Hosts. <laughs> <laughs> um, I'm Haley from Red Handled Scissors and the Very Serious Crafts Podcast. Hi, I'm Natalie from Uber Dark Designs, an official murderino maker. Very fancy. Very fun. So, today in Witch Problems, I've been trying to figure out all morning how to get candle wax off of a ceremonial candle holder on my altar without breaking the ring that the wax has formed because that was the protection spell. Mm. Yes. I'm thinking maybe holding a lighter below it to loosen it up. I don't know. It, it's it's a thing. That is a thing. It's also funny it's because uh, yeah. I've got wax. I was trying to figure out how to get wax out the carpet because one of the girls knocked over the wax melter burner thing we had going. So wax Hair seems dryer. to be the witch right yes yes i turned around and my oldest was using fabuloso i'm like what are you doing she's like it cleans everything and i'm like not wax out of a carpet do you have canned air because that would freeze it oh yes that's true anyway just a thought see we we know our somewhat dangerous household chemicals we do indeed so before we dive in, I think that we would like to take a quick break to thank all of our fantastic Curiosity Shop members over on Patreon yes, and give please. a totally normal, not at all creepy welcome to our newest members. And our newest members this week are Steve, Hi, Rachel, Steve. <laughs> Steve's in the UK, so yeah. we're global now, um, Rachel, <laughs> Naomi, Hi, Rachel. Uh, Naomi and Connie. Hi, Naomi and Connie. We are not at all awkward or creepy. Nope. Mm -mm. We're very glad you're here. We are. Indeed. You guys are all the best, and we would totally go explore hidden old graveyards in the woods with you. Absolutely. Even though you're supposed to stay out of the woods, we'd make that exception. Yes, we would. We would indeed. We'd be prepared, though. Well, obviously. Right. <laughs> <laughs> All right. 
right, so uh, what are we going to talk about today? So today, I want us to gather around fellow feminists for it's time for a story. A story about pockets. And I was already fired up about the lack of pockets in our garments to begin with. And then I began researching and was almost in tears with the pocketry, which I am now making a word, that we used to have. So back in the Middle Ages, both men and women carried pouches on a rope. And clothing had slits in them, so you could easily reach into these pouches and pull out, like, whatever wonders you held in them. And for this glorious (laughs) moment, the genders were pocket equal. Wow. And it was around, yeah, it was around the 17th century that people were like, hmm, let's actually make these part of the garment. And huzzah, we had pockets. These pouches turned into pockets. But it's also where the pocket inequality kind of started. Um... So men's pockets were sewn right into the lining of their coats, their waistcoats, and their breeches. So they were super easily accessible. Women still had to rely heavily on separate pockets that sat underneath their petticoats. Which is like, oh, so it's under a petticoat. But it's not that simple. So according to Victoria... I was going to say, wait, how do you get to there? (laughs) Right. So according to the Victoria and Albert Museum, the average 17th century woman wore a petticoat and two layers of undergarments. So her pocket would be tied around her waist in between her under petticoat and petticoat. So women essentially had to get undressed to access the content of their pockets. So even if they could carry their personal items around with them, they couldn't like get them out in public. And thus the inequality of pockets was kind of born, but only for like a minute because then somebody was like, hey, if we put, like, a little side seam in these petticoats, then they can put their hands in through and reach this pocket. So the pocket was still invisible, but it was accessible. So, yay. Uh, huh. So, but so it's wait, the, it was between the chemise and the petticoat? Yeah. So That's a terrible place for a pocket. Right? I don't <laughs> understand how these people even survived wearing all of those layers of clothing. Because it's not like it was miraculously a whole lot cooler back then. No, and, and these were upper class right. people that we're talking about. So at least they probably had staff who right. were doing the things that one <laughs> might need pockets for. Right. But you like, know there's you know, that poor person that was doors. like, you know... <laughs> I had to like go in and help them. Can you help me get this out of my pocket? Um, but it's the content. That's what ladies and in vastness. waiting were for. Yeah. And ladies' maids. <laughs> my goodness, that would be a sucky job. Yeah. Fun fact the reason that women's garments button on the opposite side of men's garments is because yes. women didn't dress themselves historically, a lady's maid did. And so the ladies made faced the woman. Oh. And men, however, were seen to button their own. That makes sense. Yep. Fun fact. That's a good fact. So it's the content and the vastness of these pockets that have me jealous. All and right. just what treasures did these pockets hold? Well, there's please, the usual. Please tell me. <laughs> there was the usual money, keys, stuff like that. Sure. But according to 18 Maxims of Neatness and Order, written by oh. Teresa Tidy in 1819. Ter- Teresa Tidy? Teresa Tidy. Yes. She, lists, she lists the essentials for a pocket. 
It is expedient to carry about you a purse, a thimble, a pincushion, a pencil, a knife, and a pair of scissors, which will not only be an inexpressible source of comfort and independence by removing the necessity of borrowing, but will secure the privilege of not lending these indispensable articles. Oh, I like it. Right? Like a pincushion, pencil, and a knife, and scissors. Like, just. I mean, it sounds like my pockets. Right? So many pockets also held objects essential to personal grooming, such as a mirror, a scent bottle, a snuff box, a comb. Mm-hmm. According to the complete history of Jack the Ripper, it written in 1994 by Philip Sugden, one of Jack the Ripper's victims, Annie Chapman, was found wearing a pocket that had contained a small tooth comb and a pocket comb in a paper case. So mm. food was always carried with. Like, and when I say food, I mean, like, there was bundles of cookies, apples, oranges, just a veritable picnic shoved I in I almost these. always have a burrito in my purse. There you go. No, there but, go. like, for real. <laughs> I almost always have a purse burrito because I have so many food allergies. Purse burrito for the win. Everybody needs a purse burrito. Purse um, burritos are the best. Yes. Uh, we have car meat. <laughs> <Just> like, <laughs> meat is not involved in, in any of... Like, it doesn't uh, stay in the car, but, like, that's the go-to, like, snack. If we run somewhere, we'll grab some lunch meat, and then we'll eat it in the car when we're driving. We call it car meat. <laughs> it's a thing. Uh, that but, would last less well in a purse than true, true. Um, my bean and rice burritos, I think. Sewing kits are another common thing. Even <laughs> even bottles of gin were pocket, common pocket contents. And I'm well, all about obviously, that. Obviously, where else are you going to keep your gin? <laughs> right? So many pockets were actually handmade and often given as gifts, which I think were pretty, were pretty you know, it's pretty cool. Um, however, uh, many pockets were also stolen. So in the 18th and 19th century... The term pickpocket was born, um, meaning oh. thieves. Yeah, thieves that would remove men's wallets and cut the strings of women's pockets, which I'm not entirely certain. Like, I want to see a diagram how that happened because, like, there's logistics in there that I would like to think that I would notice if there was a sharp object that close to me cutting something like that. Also, if you have like 20 pounds of crap in your pocket, wouldn't you feel it like? fall away and you lighten up like somebody ran off with my food and my sewing kit and my whiskey i mean i think though that if you have if you're wearing um something of structure like a bone corset or something like that and it's (laughs) over that and you're already in pain (laughs) well and you're also wearing heavy heavy skirts like yards and yards of skirt fabric I would um, not survive. Either that or I would just be a complete total social outcast because I'd be like, I'm not wearing any of that. That's too much. I, I often wonder. I mean, I assume that in the same way that I always need to get dressed every day, like I can't do work from home in pajamas um, because I feel inappropriate. Mm-hmm. I, I feel like I would probably wear all the things, but... Do you know how big these pockets were? I, there's some, I think we should probably, we'll probably post a photo on Instagram 
I found some and they were like, they were almost like um, saddlebags. <laughs> wow. For lack of a better, some of them got really large and long and, and deep, and but they had like embroidery wow. on them so you could get them to match your petticoats. Like, there's some bougie pockets. Wow. Um, and I bet in the time of paneers, <laughs> that, like, the pockets were endless. Right? Just let me reach down to my toe. So, well, and, like, they're so wide. <laughs> oh, man. I'm, Good time. I'm just imagining. Like, you could keep a small farm animal in there. Right. Oh, I could have my own pocket goat. I was fun. thinking poultry, since, you know, we're carrying around food. That's true. Like Unless a pie of chicken eggs. Maybe. Yeah. <laughs> there you go. Oh, I, I don't know. I don't eat any of those things, as I am allergic to all of them. <laughs> so. Oh, no. That is not fun. No, no. But I really like the idea of pocket poultry. Yeah. Minus is... the salmonella. I'm going to have to make you, like, a little pocket chicken now. Oh, pocket poultry. Yeah. <laughs> oh, my goodness. So, pockets were wonderful. And then the ni- the 1790s hit. Uh-oh. Yeah. And women's fashion changed very dramatically. Yes. Wide hoops, full petticoats, all that, out of style. Instead, dresses had the high waistline, um, which is very flattering. So, I'm all for that. But... Uh, but then the skirts fell close to the body and the legs, and this meant that traditional pockets and their contents would ruin the line of the dress. Well, except uh, they had bustles, right? So you could have put the pockets on your butt. <laughs> a reverse fanny pack, but not if you were in England, because that would mean a whole different thing. I mean, also an option for pockets. <laughs> <laughs> Very much so. So, um... So some argue that it was the the more more it was more than a simple change of fashion going on at this time, mm-hmm. which I agree with because patriarchy. But this was also the time of the French Revolution, so it was a time that violently challenged established notions of what property, privacy, and propriety were. So women's pockets yep. were private spaces that they carried into public with increasing freedom. So during a revolutionary right. time, this freedom was very, very frightening to the boys. Um, oh, no. Yes. What's so in the less, those pockets? Yes. The less, though, the woman could carry meant the they less freedom. They have matriarchy freedom. in there. <laughs> Damn them for carrying rights and weapons. So take away the pockets that are happily hidden under the garments and you limit a woman's ability to even nav- navigate public spaces um, and to carry a seditious, you know, seditious writing which could be even just love letters but it could also be spy stuff um weapons or to travel totally unaccompanied because they wouldn't need the lady in waiting to carry the things and all that stuff so that's interesting um Um, so that would have happened around the same time then that the silhouette like that fashion changed right and it's believed then highest suspected that the change in fashion was to eliminate the pockets to make it impossible because it was such a drastic change of fashion um it's not like they were like hey let's go down right. to one petticoat or hey maybe let's just you know eliminate one thing it was like a just total change a 180 oh so, that's interesting since there are so many theories about 
what happened to our pockets. Right. Um, that, like, that, that one makes sense. Right. Um, and so, I'm sure that there were a lot of different reasons happening at the same time. Yeah. But I think that there's probably some more deep diving in there that I would like to do. Um, but I'm, I'm, I'm sticking on the side of the fashion, uh, being political because I do think that almost anything that has to do with a woman's body is mm-hmm. always ends up being political just because. And also the free movement of women's right. bodies in public spaces. Right. I mean, and being, that makes a lot of sense. Right. And if she doesn't have a pocket and she needs somebody to go with her places, so then she can't yeah. be alone and she's always she, got a built She needs in, the man to hold the thing. Yes. Yes. Excuse me, sir. Um, so it was the the next biggest yeah, no. change, right? I'd be like, I'll stick it in my hair. Do we still have wigs? Just put all up in there. I've been known to walk around with knitting needles stuck up in there and not even know it. I mean, where else are you supposed to put it? Right? Right? Be like in Mean Girls. Her hair is so big because it hides all the secrets. <laughs> <laughs> yes. So the next biggest change in fashion came in 1891 so we still had the very fashionable people that had the silhouettes and all of that but then we had the rational dress society oh <laughs> right like <laughs> these these women are my kind of women so they they called, sound very serious they, they sound very serious but they they called for women to dress for health ditching corsets in favor of boneless stays and bloomers wearing loose trousers and adopting clothing that allowed for movement Especially riding bicycles, because, you know, that was a thing then. I mean, it's a thing yeah, now. you don't want to get your skirts caught in a bicycle. Right? You really don't. <laughs> no, you don't. So, in contrast to the fashionable clothing at the time that had these fussy, tiny, little impractical pockets that weren't designed to really hold anything, rational dress allowed women to swagger with their hands in their pockets. And at point, yeah. yes, that shocked one writer for the period mag The Graphic in 1894... Oh, no. And then wrote, the, yes, the pockets of the new woman, admirably useful as they are, seem likely to prove her new fetish to stand her instead of blushes and shyness and embarrassment for who can be any of these things while she stands with her hands in her pockets. <laughs> so advancing the notion of pockets is distinctly masculine. One 1895 designer mm. of women's bicycle costumes even included pockets for pistols. Yes. <clears throat> right? Not all of them want to carry Little revolvers. Little tiny derringers we all right? have them. With so, pearl handles. Yes. I know nothing about these things. Nothing at all. Uh, so an anonymous tailor was quoted in the New York Times yep. saying not all of them want to carry a revolver, but a large percentage do and make no bones about saying so. Even well. when they do not tell me why they want the pocket, they often betray their purpose by asking to have it lined with duck or leather. Look, more pocket poultry. Literally. Huh. <laughs> so you have to hand it to the pistol packing women riding turn of the century bicycles and their bloomers and split skirt suits. Those are the chicks that I would hang with. Oh, but yeah. the, the 19th Amendment was still like 26 years away when these women were practicing their Second Amendment rights. Indeed. Well, it's interesting that, like, the men seem to find it so mysterious (laughs) that these women would want to carry a weapon 
Like, gee, I don't know. Maybe it's to protect them from you. Right? (laughs) Seriously. Just saying. So my favorite headline that I read Mm -hmm. um, is just a little bit after that time period in 1910. And again, it was a New York Times headline. Um, And the headline was, plenty of pockets in a suffragette suit. And pockets of plenty is what you'd expect for a woman with poles on her mind. The suit, the piece Hell yes. <laughs> had seven or eight pockets, all in sight and all easy to find, even for the rarer. Oh my goodness. Easy to find. My gosh. The shock. The horror. You can find your pockets. <clears throat> yes. I said, I, you, those things just shouldn't be visible. No, because they, the straightforward pockets hint at the lingering anxiety over women's clothing, privacy, and property. It's not merely that women will strut with their hands in their pockets on point to challenge men. It's that women's pockets could carry something secret, something private, or something deadly. Always expect something deadly in our pockets, assholes. Well, also, <laughs> didn't men also, generally speaking, carry at least one deadly thing in their pockets? I- but they're boys. They're allowed. We're girls. We're not. Bah. <laughs> right? I find Ugh. that to be nonsense. Seriously. Nature does tend to uh, show that women are deadlier than Indeed. men and we, of species. We're more creative about it because you're going to take away our pockets. Oh. We can figure something else out, you know? I mean, there are lots of places to hide things. Exactly. So this fashion over function versus function over fashion battle continues. Yes, I am wearing jeans with inadequate pockets as we speak. And I have I have on a dress, but uh but I do have on a sweater that has pockets in it. Um, cuz pockets. Very important. But my shirt has pockets. See? You got to have pockets somewhere. Sometimes it's And a I bra. don't care that it gives me a third boob. <laughs> there you go. Sometimes you got to so, wear something. As far as current pockets go, it's it's a tough thing because it's it's like it seems to be this this continuous more of a money making thing because um, yes. as long as clothing designers make women's clothes without pockets or useless pockets at that don't even get me started on the faux pocket because that's just not even right oh uh, I have thoughts and feelings <sighs> like stabby feelings yeah. Um, Women will then Real have to buy stabby feelings. purses to carry things with them. Of course. So, and I mean, I like a good handbag. Right. I don't want to have to have one, though. Right. Um, and as long as women are shamed for having bulkier silhouettes, yeah. they're going to reach for purses and bags versus giant glorious pockets. Yeah. I mean, if I'm going to carry knitting around, a mm-hmm. bag that I can set down is right. acceptable. But, like, regular daily life, like phone, wallet, keys. Right. Give me a pocket. I wouldn't even carry a diaper bag for my kids. I had a backpack. Right. Like, it just, I'm not a person. I never know what to do with it. I never know. I'm just, I'm awkward with purses. I don't know what to do with them. I only uh, got comfortable carrying them because, like, the shoulder bag style purses are excellent for whacking men on the subway <laughs> who won't move 
because I am five feet tall and I can't (laughs) reach the like overhead bars I need to be able to reach the vertical bars to hold on. And it's very useful to have that buffer and then to be able to go, oh, I'm sorry, and not be. (laughs) Oops. Hmm. Right? Yeah. Yes, 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 yes. I still always have a crochet hook in my purse. <laughs> it's not even. Heck yeah. There's always stitch markers lying about. It's There's always craft stuff in my actual purse. But, you know, yeah. if only there was a another option to pockets. Something. Hmm. If, if only. If only. Can you think of something? Well, I think I can, in fact. <laughs> so... Enter the Chatelaine. Just the name of it. I know. Isn't it great? Um, it is. So the word Chatelaine started out as a description um, from the French name for the wife of the lord of a chateau. Um, oh. So that's where it came from, but it quickly became shorthand for just generally a mistress of a castle or a household or a large establishment. And so even though that would indicate that the item that I'm about to introduce to you happened at about that time, mm-hmm. the truth of the matter is um, chatelaines or items that were like them have been around for about as long as humans have had things that they needed to carry. So, artifacts of similar items have hailed from ancient Rome. Um, They've been found in 7th and 8th century UK graves. Um, There were similar options in ancient Japan. I mean, pretty much everywhere there were people. There have historically been things like this. And so, here's where it gets good. Now, the Chatelaine, as I'm talking about moved on from referring to just the head of a household or the person who would have keys in the household um, and lots of keys to instead refer to a piece of truly badass Victorian jewelry. Ooh. And in my opinion, it's basically the prettier and more useful version of the Swiss army knife, but made (laughs) for women. And incidentally, the um, Swiss army knife also was a product of the Victorian era, Uh which I didn't know until I was researching this. But so because historically um, women who were running large households carried a bunch of keys, that sort of morphed into the middle class or um, higher class piece of jewelry that was the Chatelaine. And so, um, basically, pockets are a problem. What does a Chatelaine look like? Um, A Chatelaine can be a decorative belt hook or a brooch or a clasp that would have been worn at the waist. So, not dissimilar to pockets um like you were talking about Mm -hmm. 
and some were even produced by master jewelers like Tiffany and Liberty and even Fabergé. Ooh, those be fancy. Yeah, and not all of them were fancy in that way, but um, but many of them for higher society women were. And so these brooches would have many chains that extended down from them. And depending on your needs or interests, you could attach a portable version of just about anything. So um, I, I created a small list of different attachments that I found on historical websites that one might connect to one's chatelaine. Scissors, which seems reasonable in very pretty cases. Ooh. Mm-hmm. Um, thimbles, watches, notebooks with tiny telescoping pencils. Ooh. Right? Actual tiny fountain pens. Um, vinaigrettes, just in case you needed to um, help yourself from going into a swoon. <laughs> um, I don't know. Household seals for sealing mail. Uh, Pincushions, perfume bottles, coin purses, needle cases, button hooks, dance cards, which is one of my favorite. That um, is fun. Tiny miniature photo albums. <laughs> um, cigarette cases which would happen later in history, um, like closer to the 20s, when they would be more like like going out purses, like almost the precursor to the handheld purses right now. Um, match cases, snuff boxes, or <laughs> pill holders with mirrors, tweezers, knives, vials, Ooh. and my personal favorite, Alls, you know, yes. like the pokey thing, which are um, completely safe and not at all deadly. <laughs> you um, never know when you have to put a snap in something. <laughs> no. So, I mean, whatever you were doing and whatever your station in life, you would probably have one of these. And it could have any number of things, but they were almost universally beautiful and useful. I am which, here for it. Yeah, like, me too. Solidly and, here for it. I mean, like, the more expensive stuff would be, like, silver or gold. Um, and I'm sure that the less expensive stuff might have been pewter or something like that. There wasn't much information on the not amazingly beautiful <laughs> antiques. Um, but so like the Target version? <laughs> right. Um, so these were basically feminine tool belts, and they were worn from the lower middle class to the upper echelons of society. And the higher up on the social scale you went, the more ornate they would be. And there were also chatelaine purses, which were basically the precursors to the Hip pack or fanny pack, only much prettier. And very similar to the pockets that you were just talking about earlier as well. Mm-hmm. And so I'm kind of obsessed with these. And I just, 
I I so badly want one. <laughs> and Victorian you. Chatelaines are, st- especially the ones in good shape, are still just woefully, woefully expensive, as they should be. And I want one, and they are one of my few antiquing white whales. But I would absolutely wear a replica. And some exist, but... I haven't yet found one that is high quality enough that it would actually withstand daily use. Most of them are basically just like cosplay Mm. decorative. And so I'm kind of obsessed. So what I'm hearing is I need to keep an eye out and also start plotting how to create a good one. Yes, both of those things. Mm Mm-hmm. So, uh, that is Chatelaine. That's amazing. Yes. And that, I guess, brings me to the weekly worst way to die. Oh, yes. So, I think for me, it's going to have to be Chatelaine all, hands down, this time. Ooh. Yep. That's a... Okay, so I'm going to piggyback off of that and my worst way to die, because I am rocking a sinus and ear infection right now, would be that all to my ear. Ah, <laughs> like, just like that. Would, that would be it. a deeply unpleasant way to die. Yeah, yeah. I like, I like we brought that weekly worst way to die. <laughs> yes. Based on, based on wanted, our, our listeners. Back, uh, yes, and um, I like it. Thank you for reminding us. Yes. yes. So I think that about wraps us up. Um, don't forget that we're on Patreon. We and you should are. support us for bonus content and more creepy fun because you know you want to. Insight sneaky shenanigans. Indeed. Also, do you want to be spooky internet friends? You mm-hmm. can find us at Bones and Bobbins on Instagram. Facebook, and Twitter. And don't forget to rate and review this podcast. It pleases the internet gremlins. And that is how we show up in recommendations so that other morbid souls can find us. Yes. And on that note, let us leave you with some advice that you should never forget. Lock your doors. And don't run with scissors. Each episode of the Bones and Bobbins podcast is written and researched by Haley Pearson Cox and Natalie Hoyce. Our music was composed by Loyalty Freak Music. You can find us on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook at Bones and Bobbins. Subscribe now on Apple Podcasts, follow us on Spotify, or check us out wherever you listen to your favorite podcasts so you won't miss a minute of our strange and creepy content. 